this is Esther Eli Podcast with your host, Sergey Ross, and I'm here with Nazar Risafi. And if you don't know Nazar, you have probably seen his show, How Crime Works. We're revealing the inner workings of organized crime. It's a show on Business Insider, and it's getting millions and millions of views on YouTube. And we're going to talk about it today, but also about Nazar's history in technical and editorial TV, because he has an extensive one. Nazar, pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. The pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me. So you are producing How Crime Works on Insider. How have you ended up taking the project? So um, it's a very short story, <laughs> but I think um, serendipity played uh, a huge role here. Um, I've always kind of wanted to work on a crime show. I come from a background of uh, news and doc- documentaries. Um, and I joined Insider in May 2021. I was a video producer in the development department. Um, that's where the series was created. We, we, released the, we released the pilot episode to test the water and it ended up reaching a million views within the first week of release. So we were like, whoa, okay, we might be onto something here. Um, so we continued to refine the format and produce more and more episodes. And we were kind of hitting a new milestone with each one. Um, eventually, I ended up producing the series full time and we're now working on season two of the series. Well, that means it, it's working quite well. And of course, the numbers the numbers are there. How many episodes uh, are you on to so far? Uh, so far, we're on six episodes. We have the seventh one being released next week. And just for the context, how much time, by and large, does it take to produce one episode? Uh, the pre-production phase uh, takes about maybe one to two weeks. After the interviews carried out, it could take us up to three weeks for us to kind of uh, get it done. We can we can do it much faster, but we choose to kind of take our time with it just to give ourselves um, a fresh eye, so to speak. At times when you get involved in a project and this is the only thing that you're work, working on, you start to lose some points. A lot of things after it's been replayed to you once, twice, three times, it loses the, the weight of it to a certain extent. So we kind of like to take our time, uh, especially with the storytelling aspect. And we will get to it because there's everything is there for a reason why it takes that much time. How do you decide to structure each chapter in the episode, how crime works? Like how, what, what's your, is there a certain specific structure that you try to follow every time or is it completely driven by the, by the specific story, cocaine traffic in one episode, Robin Banks, other episode? The chapter in of each episode differs and, um, that's due to the nature of the different topics that we discuss and the nature of the storytelling aspect as well. Like in some episodes, we discuss crime groups and other episodes we can describe, um, sorry, in some episodes we discuss crime groups and other episodes we can discuss a specific crime rather than a group or a person. And an example of that is in the bank robberies episode. The, f- the first chapter was about the job, it's how bank robberies are actually carried out. Where on the other hand, when you have the New York City mafia episode, we had to build the theme before diving into the crimes committed. So we began with the chapter of the rules, highlighting the codes of the mafia. And then we went into the five families to give a further understanding of the actual crime group itself. That way, I believe that the crimes would have much more weight to them after you understand the organization itself and the rules. Um, So yeah, these are two examples of how we would discuss a crime and how we would discuss a group and how it makes it different for us, the chapter. 
how are you able to get such rich answers? Anybody who has done an interview before, all kinds of interviews, if they watch How Crime Works, they probably will be quite shocked at, wow, these guys are answering interviews or questions so, so well. They're telling such a rich story. Of course, it's edited, but still, like yeah. it's so succinct. It's beautifully flowing. How do you do that? Well, first, thank you. <laughs> um, the reason why we get these rich answers from guests, as you described, is because of the detailed demand and the leading questions that we prepare for the guest. So these interviews could take up to four hours. Um, the New York City Mafia episode took five hours because we came up with five with two different episodes out of it. Um, so by the end of the interview, you're left with so much useful information, which would then be cut down to concise sections through several storytelling techniques and like hours and hours of editing for it to make sense in the way that you put it together and for, for each sentence to connect with the other sentence, although it might be from another chapter or from another section. Yeah. Well, four hours. Nah, there you go. If anybody, if anybody wondered what's the magic, this is it. And, and is yeah. there a certain time, uh, Nazar, is there a certain time like, you know, we'll spend an hour just warming up. We'll just talk a little bit with the guest, get him comfortable, get him in the, in mm -hmm. the rhythm. Or um, do you do that type of thing? And then you kind of get into more meaty type of questions of, okay, what happened in this case? What happened in that bank robbery? What did you see? How did you, mm -hmm. what did you do after you entered the bank? Well, this could be actually another reason why we get these kind of answers because um, we build a rapport with the guest before the interview. So when I reach out to a guest and tell him or tell her, you're going to be, you're possibly going to be the next guest or you are going to be the next guest for this series or for this specific mm -hmm. episode. So we will go off to discuss the questions and we would involve them in the pre-production of the episode to kind of prepare them to know what's going to come up or what topics we're going to discuss. We've even had at some occasions, guests are adding their own questions where, where they say, hey, maybe we should discuss this or this, this, this bit is important if we're going to discuss this specific topic. Um, so that, that way, when the guest arrives for the interview, they already are used to the topic, they're used to the answers, they're used to me personally, because we've had several, several conversations with each other. So um, yeah, we do the warm up questions, but they're not so much for warm up reasons, as in for me to make them feel comfortable, because I feel a lot of the times they're already comfortable when they come and sit on that chair. Uh, but it's more for to kind of warm up their vocals let's say <laughs> sure yeah that does take some time and as everybody knows i mean there's a reason joe rogan joe rogan episodes three hours they usually get better after 30 40 an hour or 60 exactly. minutes <laughs> <laughs> and what is the approach of developing the talking points or questions let's say you are reaching out before even you reached out to guests or even before we get to that point, at what point do you develop the questions for the interview? Is it before you reach out to the guest or after you reached out and had a conversation with them? Mm -hmm. um, to, to answer your latter question, uh, the, the actual questions themselves are, or they go through two different stages. So the first stage is during the pitching of the idea. So when we're pitch, pitching the idea, we already highlight the questions that we want to ask. But after mm -hmm. we pick the specific guest and we understand their personal story, we get inspired to add more questions that can relate through his story to the topic or can give him more credibility or give her more credibility to speak about the topic. So um, 
before we pick the guest, after we pick the guests, and during the interview. So these are there like three all the time. Stages, questions, like questions never stop, and you, you never you never know what you can Absolutely. what you can get. <laughs> and and what about the actual approach of the questions? Um, there's a significant journalistic bit, like actual research that goes into figuring out what the questions are because you're not going from um, you're not going from pre-planned questions it's all very specific to what that person has done to their story yeah absolutely so um the way that we pick the guest is not like for for example okay let me start start this again after we choose the topic itself then we would choose the guest. So for example, when we did the cocaine trafficking episode, mm-hmm. we came up with the idea to do an episode about cocaine trafficking. And then we had several guests that could fit. We chose Peter Tritton because his story matches directly with what we're speaking about. And due to the nature of uh, how he carried out the business, he could. we felt like he could explain more to us than other potential guests that, 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 that we've had. So that helps a lot. Um, and then... After that, just like I mentioned, we would hear the story even further from his perspective, not just from the research that we did, but from his perspective and try to figure out a way to link the questions and link the chaptering to the anecdotes that the guest is about to provide us and with. It, and is it always that you go from the topic first and then you figure out the guest? You don't go from guest first. Uh, for the pilot, we did the opposite. No, So for the first episode, we kind of, found the guest and we said, yes, he can help us with this topic. Let's, let's discuss that. But then after that, um, we became kind of more organized. Okay. Let's start that again. (laughs) So in, in, in the pilot episode, the show was still in development. So we were still trying out new, new things and we weren't sure about the complete format or how it was going to turn out. So it was kind of picking the guest first, which was, Neil, Neil Woods, uh, he, he was an undercover police officer for 14 years. And then from that, we realized that he was an undercover police officer infiltrating drug gangs. So we can talk about drugs gangs. So it became how crime or uh, how drug gangs actually work. And as we moved on with the, with the topics and we realized that, okay, no, this is bringing a lot of attention. Maybe we can control the topics that we speak about a bit more. So then we started coming up with the topics first and then picking the guest. And that way we had more choices of guests. And we also had more control to the storytelling aspect because we can control which guests that would come with anecdotes to link to the topic. That's a brilliant uh, approach. Uh, Always, always great to hear the justification. How do you, I'm curious, how do you pick the guests? Like, for example, let's say you want to do an episode on cocaine trafficking. How then you research the guests? Where, how do you get the list of people? Because I don't expect to be, you would have too many qualified candidates. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so throughout research, we would go online. We would go through um, diff, diff, different books at times. So for, for, for example, after we had Neil Woods as a guest, um, as we were researching the topics, I ended up reading his book. And through, through his book, he mentions names of people um, that have also been involved in certain things. So that could be even an inspiration for, for another episode at that time. So it could be through books. It could be through online videos. It could be through news articles. It could be through news interviews where they've had people or they reported on, on, on people. And then from there, we would try to reach out to them in different ways. Um, I've had certain guests uh, where 
we had the art forger it was very difficult to um, reach the max parameter because he's he's not very available on online so at some stages i had to go as far as checking out the equivalence of the yellow pages and 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 you know just checking out where he exactly is and then you know so it's, it's it could be a very complicated long process but getting the right or the perfect guest is the priority you know we could probably do an interview literally just on how do you reach out to those people because i don't expect yeah. it to be just one cold email <laughs> so many different ways no no so many different ways at times you have to reach to um other people or like uh, pre previous guests for recommendations. There are so many ways for you to, 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 to reach people. And there are also so many ways where you can't reach people. So yeah, you definitely need the whole episode. What was the most unexpected or unusual way you have contacted a guest and you don't have to mention their name? Um, I think it's just the way that I've, I've mentioned, as, as you know, we've been through like six or seven ep episodes. So I haven't had the chance to have many, runnings with these kind of situations but definitely checking the yellow the yellow pages and calling up radio stations and different people just to see if they have some sort of contact with uh, max um and then you know we ended up going on different social media platforms to find fan pages of him in hopes that there are people in pictures with him so then we can say okay they can have a contact so they can get us through to them wow so i wow. I, I i actually ended up getting con contact of max through a, a fan who had a picture of them on their profile and wow. i con That's contacted him and i was like i'm trying to reach out to this guy can you please get me through to him and then yeah that's uh Wow, that's actually investigation in itself. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it does show how much effort is is does it take to to produce something like that? Why guests go for it? Um. So there are several several reasons for guests to participate in how crime works. Many of the guests carry out charity work today, motivational speeches. They do life coaching, mm -hmm. and um, they feel like this is a platform for them to tell their stories. They could warn people and do the good work and also give advice to youngers. Uh, sorry. And also give advice to young. Uh, let me start that again. Sorry. Uh, so a lot of our guests do char charity work, motivational speeches, life coaching, and they try to help people in and out who were involved in the things that they were involved in. And, um, they feel like this is a platform for them to tell their stories, warn people and give advice to youngsters or those who are thinking of carrying out the crime itself. As you know, when it comes to the title, how bank robberies work, when you just see it and you haven't watched the episode, it can give you another idea of what this episode is going to be like. Almost like, a, oh, is this going to be a tutorial to, to, to bank robberies? And then you click on the video and it's it's, it's actually not that. It's something com com completely different. It might mention the process, but it mentions it in a way to make you understand that this is not a winning battle. Um, so they also promote their services, products, and books on the episodes. We've had a few guests, uh, their books became top sellers on digital platforms after the release of the episode. So yeah, there are several reasons Multiple and benefits reasons. to being involved. How do you pick the footage? For example, there was this episode about robbing the bank that you just mentioned. Where do you get the footage? How do you figure out what to insert? Because that's such an in integral part of, of making this whole episode work. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, to B-roll, the addition of B-roll was to give a wider image to the audience about certain things that are being mentioned. 
So um, we do understand that not everyone in the audience can recognize certain things when they're being said or um, understands the references that are being made in the video. So B-roll was kind of a supporter to that until it eventually became an integral part of the show. And it became um, not, 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 not just that, it became like an, an entertainment section almost in the episode because what you see is ca camera A and camera B going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So it breaks that repetition. Um, the way that we pick them is based on what I mentioned before. So if we feel like there is a part that needs more visual explanation, we will bring in the B-roll. This B-roll could come from uh, FBI footage, from police footage. It could come from Getty images. Uh, in some cases, we um, reenacted sections. So for example, in the bank robot, when it came to the bag, opening the bag and, you know, getting the BB gun and everything, then, then everything I carried that out myself. So, and yeah. <laughs> which we tried to make it in a way where it's like, okay, this is what the actual guest seen, or this is what it's, this is what it would look like preparing for a bank robbery. So, yeah. Well, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so of work, yeah. The role is its own. It has like its own section of work. <laughs> is is there is there a certain uh, perspective or uh, or a guidance that you have? Like for example, I want eighty percent of B roll, or I want X amount of B roll that covers these things that the guests have said. How, how do you how do you make decisions on where to add it, where where not to do it? Yeah. So. When it comes to certain places where they need visual en enhancements, we use that. When it comes mm -hmm. to places where we have in sometimes even like some technical issues with the camera that could mm -hmm. go in on top of that to cover. So there, are, so you kind of use it for so many ways. But at the same time, you're so focused on this bit and you're relying on it so much to get the idea across. At the same time, not distract the audience. So that in itself is a challenge because at times they'll be mentioning something about, for example, a fight go go going on or a stabbing situation. And I would much rather the guests speak it than for us to go into the actual stabbing situation because I can imagine the audience being more focused on what's happening on the, on the screen. They lose the flow of the story. A lot of considerations there. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Uh... Yeah, that's 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 quite a that's quite a lot of work. Um, and and who does the the journalism bits of the story? Does the research like who is on the team responsible for that? Um, for the research, we all chip in and do do our part. I mean, how crime works for me is the best example for my career of how teamwork should be, mm. in terms of uh, everyone taking on their roles and also covering up for other parts. So for, for, for example, it's very normal for an executive producer to come and help out with the research process if someone is on holiday or if they feel like they know a lot about this topic or they've covered it before. So it's just the teamwork aspect. And um, I think even in terms of the things that we keep and the things that we leave out from, from the interview, it's a collaborative team, team effort. Like our, our, our main goal is always to include all the relevant information and as i mentioned before that these interviews can take up to four hours and if one person is working on them you can get really tired and get really caught up in the thing so you need a whole team to kind of recognize what's happening here um so we end up cutting a lot of footage it gets cut down to 15 to 20 minutes max it's a tough job 
but teamwork makes it so much easier and the results are the most important thing. It's a quite a fascinating format of how crime works show because you essentially made it, it's an incredibly complicated beneath if you go into understanding the process, yet it's very simple if you watch it and don't really think about how much time it takes uh, to deliver in a sense that it's all narrated by a person you're taking interview or, or, or who gives an interview and you don't, and you don't introduce a voiceover. You don't introduce even that many pauses with, with B-roll. Uh, the transitions are, are very subtle there. Was it always an intention or to, to make it like, we want just one guy to narrate it. That's it. We're not adding a voiceover. We're not adding interviewer's voice. We're not adding a voice of, sound bites from inter- from news or from anywhere else we just wanted dead simple mm-hmm. that was always the, the intention behind it but there were several reasons behind why we wanted it to be this way um as i mentioned before we took a lot of consideration as to what the audience wants and what the audience like and we've studied a lot of the analytics for videos on YouTube to understand why people would click off at this bit. Why would they feel bored? Why did they repeat this bit? And, you know, so when you come to look at the numbers, you start to have a wider understanding of what you want to give people. Um, the reason behind the short poses are to keep you engaged in the story, because sometimes right. if you have a pause for long, long enough, that could break the chain of thinking and at the same time could encourage the person watching the video to click off the video or to pause it or it might give them the like you know you know at times when you have a program going going on on tv and then the adverts come in and it's like oh okay it's time for my toilet break or i'm gonna go top up my my drink so it's almost like a it can work as a suggestive literal pause if you actually take a long a long pause and Click in the video or pause in the video does not guarantee that the, that the person watching the video is going to continue afterwards. So we kind of take a lot of consideration of user behavior before creating the program itself. And these are the reasons behind it. Um, the reason why we had like what some people would consider a simple format is because in one way, we, we try to engage the audience with the story more. So we don't have music in the background. We don't have voiceovers. And as I mentioned, we pick the B-roll very carefully because we don't want to distract the audience. We want them to be engaged in the story. The theme of it is almost like sitting around a campfire and someone's telling you like a, a really serious ghost story. But at the same time, it's not a ghost story. This is real life things. So we could have had a black background and made it super dark, but the intention behind it is to be educational. That's the reason why we had the white background. Oh, okay. uh, that's stylistically interesting. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, we're kind of like <laughs> flaunting our storytelling skills, uh, just creating a replicable common theme. Um, and most importantly, kind of introducing the new generation of digital production in a way, because I feel like, this is what's going on now. People are trying to simplify things and achieve more. So we try to achieve more by using less resources and introduce the idea in a simpler, but yet more effective manner and more engaging manner. And it seems to be working out for us. <laughs> it does. You know, look at the numbers. It does. And it's a very unique Thank you. approach. It is a very unique approach. With uh, and, and if we look at the traditional documentary, this is the opposite of what those guys do. And you guys, you, you did something different where normal documentary, it's all playbook type of stuff. 
uh, they have sound bites, they have voiceover, they have the story, they have the interviews. And you've done, I would argue, something much more complicated because it's harder to do a compelling documentary story with just with just a guest. It, it is very difficult. It's a it's a it's a big constraint. Where even for example, if you're trying to narrate, like create a story, if it doesn't really fit well. Then you need to do a yeah. lot of editing. Maybe you need to come back to the guest, ask another question. Like it's the story doesn't flow. To make it really flow, you you'll have only the interview. That's it. You can't add, you can't guide the audience yourself mm -hmm. with a voiceover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like the most important aspect right here, if we really want to rate the aspects and the factors, is the st storytelling aspect of it. Um, it leads the entire project at least the entire series the entire episode uh, the whole in every stage of production the most thing that we would consider was the storytelling aspect and our story editing team is very experienced um, every episode would have its own brainstorming se session mm -hmm. where we'd sit down and we throw ideas prior to preparing the questions and when we prepare the questions that's when we truly edit in the episode we align the questions with the desired chapters and we cue them in a way where each question is a pickup from the question before, and the same would apply to the chapters. I want to talk about fact-checking, a very important, mm -hmm. maybe boring part, but important mm -hmm. one, so you can actually release it and not get trashed by, by the viewers or people who like to pick on things that, oh, this actually wasn't true. <laughs> I saw this in, yeah. in the book, and, and th this is how it was. How do you approach fact-checking? What do you do? What do you do to make sure that the stories that guests tell about bank robberies or cocaine trafficking are um, backed up by something. Mm -hmm. So it gets very difficult when you're dealing with crime shows because a lot of the times you're discussing secret organizations and things that go on behind closed doors, um, things that ha might have not been heavily re reported on also. So um, the natural way of doing fact-checking from my experience in news was going to actual organizations and check if this situation has happened. Also relying on different news agencies, reliable news agencies, e.g. Reuters, e.g. Uh, AP and so on, all these different com companies. But when it comes to crime, there is another process which is kind of investigative more than anything else, um, where you have to double check with the guests about the information. You kind of have to question the guests about some, some, some stuff to carry out your due diligence. Um, at times we've had examples where I had to go into police files and um, check how often this crime has happened for us to make sure like, oh no, these things actually do happen. And here are five examples of it happening. Uh, E.g. in the New York Mafia episode, we had the mm -hmm. Range Rovers cam that we had to fact check if this thing has happened. So we went into police files, we went into court doc doc documents and we realized that this actually did happen and the people that were arrested for it were actually connected to the mob in one way or another. Wow, that's a quite a, that's a lot of work, especially if you can get it in the news and most of the time. It's I a big responsibility. Yeah, it's, it's a huge responsibility for you to be discussing uh, a secret organization and, and, and providing information that it's completely correct and fact-checked as best as we can do. What 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 examples or what things you could let go and not fact-check? What are there any specific things that that the guest is saying and you're like, you know what, it, we can leave it out. We don't have to check on that. There are some common things that are very well known um, to people. 
So for example, um, if you want to mention, let's say, cocaine is trafficked and 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 shipped from Ecuador, we mm. would it's kind of like it's a known fact. If you go into any news agency, if you go into if you go into any 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 news uh, format for journalists, this topic is in constant discussion. So it's kind of it fact checks it itself <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's that's a good way to do it. Nazar, if you were to start a show tomorrow and you can't do how crime works, you have to do something brand new. <laughs> what would that what would that be? You're putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Um I would like to actually go go out there and actually try to meet the people that are carrying out these crimes. So for example, um not how crime works. My mind is stuck on how crime works. I can't go anywhere else. But honestly, <laughs> it's because for my entire life, I've wanted to work a show about crime. So when I got the opportunities, I kind of like put my all into it. But I would still be working on um, crime series. I'm very interested in it. And I've studied a lot about it. Um, I've, I've studied forensic science and criminology and criminal psychology. So I'm super interested in that. But I would like to go out there and, and um, kind of, document these crime groups so we would go and meet the Sinaloa cartel and see the operation and have interviews with actual people who are active if possible I know it's a <laughs> it's a it's a long shot but <laughs> this is what I would do well there was a it's a well there was a guy or or a, a journalist who did an interview with El Chapo uh, back when he was still uh still on the run um yeah I mean I think there's only one person who did it but it, it is possible <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we get it done. Exactly, exactly. Come on, insider. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but it would still be interview based. Um, not mostly. It would have some interview sec- sections in it, but it would mostly be kind of panorama style. If you if you know what I mean, it can have that feel of um, mm. access that you don't usually get from, 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 from different documentaries and shows, you'll get that inside access. So have that feel, um, just like sometimes when you go into, um, not comparing them, of course, but, uh, if you, if you go into a steel factory, it's mm. rather than you talking about steel itself and you're discussing the industry of steel, you're going into the actual factory and you're not just speaking or interviewing the people that work in a factory. You're actually seeing the way that they're carrying out their jobs. So in a similar manner. Mm, right. It's also easy to get a B-roll and just be there uh, when you're Oh, yeah, this will solve it. the B-roll problem. <laughs> 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 this will definitely solve it. <laughs> well, that, there, there you go. I mean, um, <laughs> um, Nazar, anything I haven't asked you in this interview that um, I should have? Anything we, we missed? I love your questions, man. And I think it's a, it's a great interview. I, I personally wouldn't add anything else. But if you have anything else, feel free. I'm here. Um, well, we'll, uh, we'll have to. I think we have one minute left. So I think we're going to wrap okay. here. And this awesome. was fantastic. Nazar, thank you so much for this. Thank you for, for, for coming. And uh, this is a really deep dive into behind the scenes of how crime works. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And have a lovely day. I'll be there.